Hello everybody, before we begin, just a quick note from the future. Owen and I are here at the end of the episode waiting for you to give you some special news, aren't we Owen? Yes, and, and your lottery ticket should be 6 Hello, dearest listener. You have tuned in to At Your Peril by Arthur McBain and Owen Jenkins. Before we begin, a parish notice. A warning. What you are about to hear may terrify and horrify you to the very core of your being. It may also involve content unsuitable for children, those with a nervous disposition, or wimps. If you must, turn off your receiver now. No? In that case, we shall begin at your peril. time Uncle William invited me to visit, I accepted in a moment. I would pack lightly, walk to King's Cross Station, jump on the first train to York, then walk to the house over the shop in one of the quieter parts of the medieval city centre. He lived above the family business, in a tall, narrow building which faced another tall, narrow building, in a street of tall, narrow buildings, photographed only by tourists who were daring enough to leave their group to explore our narrow side street. We stared directly into the window of a firm of family solicitors who were only there during office hours. Fortunate, as we were close enough to hold a conversation, and that was something I preferred to avoid. Not conversations in general, just conversations with Frank, Beveridge, Willoughby and Frank, who had their eyes on expanding into our building. I'd been visiting since I was a child, when great-great-aunt Pira had run the shop and the laboratory, helped by great-uncle Eric. But my mother was wary of Pira. Her independence, outspoken views and fabled adventurous past. So it was only when I left home that I could spend weekends at the house, helping in the shop and occasionally being allowed downstairs to watch her compound batches of the family's traditional perfumes. I picked up as much as I could from reading the ledger, smelling all the essential oils, absolutes and aroma chemicals, then started to practice at home. I visited less regularly as I made my own life and career. Great Uncle Eric was in charge of the accounts. The shop was tidy, the perfumes were classics, dating from our ancestor Wilfred's prolific creativity almost a century earlier. And the business could have faded into obscurity but new customers always appeared. The family's fragrances had a reputation for powers beyond their aromas. Great-great-aunt Pira's adventurous spirit finally wore out when she reached 83, and her general impatience with the stupidity of humankind meant that it was best to keep her away from the shop. So having created her last addition to the range, a grand sheeper with a violet oris heart, she decided to depart for the seaside. Eric was a delight when he served at the counter, although he kept forgetting to sell the visitors a perfume, despite their obvious willingness to buy. Fortunately, they insisted, so the company stayed afloat. Then he would delight in flourishing his glass pipettes like magic wands as he added the secret tinctures, which were the source of Bain & Company's reputation for making something rather special. When Pira retired, great-uncle Eric took on Uncle William as his apprentice. 
William is the kindest man, yet the most astute business person I know. His training, apart from spending his own childhood loitering around the shop, was in accounts and management information systems. With two accountants running the business, it could have turned into a bean-counting slippery slope, especially with cosmetics regulations to keep up with. But William adapted to his role at the counter, and the gaps between customers left him plenty of time to keep up with the fresh stream of administration. That particular weekend, I arrived to find that dinner had been arranged at a modern restaurant around the corner. Modern, but decorated with ancient apothecaries' bottles and equipment, which my uncles found fascinating. I put on a dress from the small collection I kept there. They were already wearing their evening suits and each enjoying a small gin and tonic when I arrived. We were sharing a platter of starters, a habit which my uncles found endlessly intriguing, when Eric cleared his throat and said... <coughs> we were wondering, my dear, if you would consider taking up the post as William's apprentice, as I am intending to retire to the seaside imminently. It wasn't a surprise, although there were three other cousins who could have been offered the place, so I'd never imagined that it was my birthright. I accepted and started to plan my move north. The rest of the meal we spent listing the many things I would have to learn. William had brought a notebook with him and a copy of the list that Pira and Eric had given him 20 years earlier. My role would be to carry on as heretofore, which was written in the company memorandum and articles, and I imagined that I would be able to pick this up as I went along. The biggest issue was packaging and transporting my own collection of perfumery materials from the studio I'd been renting for 15 years. But I roped in my friends and did it. I'd visited Pira, although not often enough, during her seaside years. She'd chosen a pleasant flat with a sea view, if you stuck your head far enough out of the window. And she walked around town happily, until sitting down on a clifftop bench one day with her companion, nodding off and gently falling over never to wake again. Her last words were, What dreadful clothes they wear these days. She imparted many small pieces of information repeated regularly, such as People with hot hands can't make pastry, you know. French and Italian can be picked up quite easily, but Dutch is extraordinarily difficult. George VI was terribly boring. And don't ever go down to the underbasement. When you start a new job, it's best to ask all the questions at once, even the silly ones. My first six months were spent writing down answers, making up the formulas until I had them off by heart, and soaking up knowledge which might disappear forever if I didn't collect it. I gently interrogated Great Uncle Eric during my handover time, then on my days off when I visited. William knew almost everything, but occasionally Eric would say something I hadn't heard before, so I'd make a note. He told me one day, My whole life has gone into making a wonderful fragrance. Yours will too. Our fragrances live on, long after we depart this world. I thought that rather touching, if a little grandiose, and started to laugh it off. He gripped my hands in his delicate fingers with an unexpected strength, gave me a stare and said... No, no, my dear. I'm perfectly serious. It's your lifetime's work, using your creativity to bring a wonderful new aroma to life. You... Will make a difference. His own part in creation had been a flamboyant wild rose and raspberry musk inspired by the North York Moors, which he made with his typical excitement and dedication. 
Shortly after I joined, we were allowed to put up a small sign at the end of our street, hand-painted in gold on black, which said, Bain and Company, Perfumers and Apothecaries. In keeping with the whole potterification of Central York, and we were discovered by a Japanese tour company. This meant that every Wednesday morning, a scrum of women arrived punctually at 10 minutes past 11 and would each buy a bottle of Yorkshire Rose, Pira's Iris, Rosebury Moor or Shambles Amber. We couldn't guarantee that this trade would last forever, but it paid the bills and brought us the surprise bonus of a Japanese distributor. But the secret to keeping Bain and Company's regular customers loyal appeared to be the tinctures which William would drop into a perfume. They were kept behind the counter in jars labelled with the initials of their creators. PJB was Pira's, the essence of courage and gumption. I heard one flame-haired matron ask for the Yorkshire Rose with something to help my creative thoughts to flow. She had five drops of WRB, great-great-great-uncle Wilfred's tincture. He was the ancestor who developed 50 fragrances in the 1920s and 30s, incorporating all the newly available aroma chemicals to transform the perfumery into a modern destination shop for the bright young things on a day out from local country houses. A shy, slim young man in a suit asked for a nice woody aftershave with something to help him get through his job interview. William added a drop of Aunt Pira's tincture. The young man came back to tell us that he'd got it and that his mother had told him about us. She had bought our sandalwood with added drops of Aunt Elspeth's tolerance tincture from the 1890s to give to her mother-in-law. As I met more customers, I heard more tales. Of course, you can't write on the packaging that a perfume has added kindness, courage or creativity, so what were we doing? Dropping in ethanol for show? Adding in some ancient family tincture of opium? I was going to have to get to the bottom of this and ask William if what we were doing was strictly ethical. I was spending most of my work time in the basement, where the tinctures were stored while they macerated. The ambergris had a greyish residue at the bottom, and when the shop bottle ran low, we would filter a little and top it up. It has a softly enduring gentleness on skin, and the older the tincture, the stronger it smelled. The family legacy tinctures had a similar grainy residue, but I could hardly smell them. I started to watch William more closely when he came downstairs to collect the filtered tinctures, and I had a feeling that he was watching me watching him. Hmm, we're running short of tolerance, he murmured one day, and I wasn't sure if he was commenting on the state of the world or the tincture shelf. So many people are requesting it these days that I'm concerned we may run out. Do we have Elspeth's formula, I asked. Perhaps we can compound some more. Silence. Or are the materials no longer available? William paused. Elspeth left us a lifetime supply of her very personal creation. We shall have to find a way to replace it in some slightly different form. Her methods were different from modern ones, and we shall use our ingenuity. For the moment, I think there is a little of the powder left, enough to make another year's worth. If I make it now, it'll be ready in six months. How can you tell, I asked? Is it me, or does it not smell of much at all? It is the way that we've always done it. The aroma isn't strictly important. It's an entirely different kind of essence. I ought to go down to the underbasement to retrieve the remaining stock. He glanced at me. Should I come too, I asked? He pondered. 
Not yet, I think. He paused again. I'll be back in a jiffy, though. It's a little dark and disorganised down there, and I, I know where everything is. Another time. Soon. Again, I had the impression that he was watching my face closely, so I aimed to keep it expressionless, but I know I'm hopeless at it. Aunt Pira's words. George VI was terribly boring. Don't go down to the underbasement. Circled my other thoughts. On William's next day off, he went to Scarborough to see Eric, and I had the chance to unlock the door and go down there myself. But I didn't, because I'm not an idiot, and anyway, William had told me I could visit when he decided that the time was right. Besides, there was a steady flow of customers, so the idea didn't spend much time in my head before I banished it. If someone asks me not to do something, like keeping a secret or not eating their last chocolate, I do it. Trust means something. It didn't stop me speculating, though. I was almost convinced that they'd set up an advanced hydroponics lab and were growing psychedelic mushrooms. What I did do was to test some of the tinctures on my skin. I'm not certain whether they actually worked or whether I was convinced that they would, so they did anyway. They say that placebos work even when people know they're placebos. I tried Uncle Wilfred's tincture and had an idea for a lavender wind-blown cliff-top aroma which I took for Eric in his supervised apartment by the sea. He looked more tired each time I visited, but his eyes lit up and he told me that he was delighted that they had chosen me to take over the business. My windswept seaside lavender would benefit from a little amaris, he said, and a smidgen of dreamwood base. I thanked him because I knew he was right. You have just the character we need to sustain our needs, he told me. I fear that the time is approaching for you to select our next apprentice, and I know that you will choose wisely. Eric died peacefully a month later. The funeral service was at York's crematorium, and dozens of people turned up. They spoke of Eric and our perfumes with great affection, and expressed their gratitude that we weren't intending to give up and move on. We managed to accommodate them all in the apothecary-themed restaurant. William and I carried on as usual, and talked about which of the nephews and nieces we thought would be ideal for the job. One stood out so it wasn't hard. Of the four who visited regularly, we could see that there were two who wanted to close us down and sell the building to Frank, Beveridge, Willoughby and Frank, that law firm over the road who kept dropping hints about expanding. One had airy-fairy ideas and didn't understand chemistry, and the last was a pleasantly geeky man who was interested in everything and had made himself a good career developing online games, but was twiddling his thumbs, keen to move on. I'm his second cousin once removed. We marked him down for the future. Two weeks later, we were told that Eric's ashes were ready for collection. I realised that I had no idea where Pira's had been scattered. When we closed for the evening, William set down the polished copper urn on the compounding bench in the basement. We had old skylights and could see people walking above us through the thick glass bricks. William took out an envelope and handed it to me. Unity, it said, in Eric's handwriting and his favourite turquoise ink. I thought I knew before I opened it what it would contain. There was a key to the underbasement padlock and a letter. My dear Unity, William tells me that you are polite enough not to ask. 
but suspects that you may already have guessed your future. Since Spain and Company perfumers began, it has been the tradition of our perfumers to give our all to the business. Here is my last gift to the company. Your first real task will be to make my tincture, EFB, and to name it with the character trait which you feel defines me best. I rather felt that reliability was my strong point, but you and William may feel otherwise. I understand that you followed Pira's advice and stayed away from the underbasement. You may now visit. With the opening of York's crematorium, our onerous family task became somewhat less physical. I'm rather afraid that until the 1930s, we were guilty of underhand practices, which involved what I choose to think of as the rescue of our ancestors' remains when a decent amount of time had passed following their demise. Somewhat gruesomely, the task of grinding them down to a powder was done with the sledgehammer and large pestle and mortar, which you will discover in the toolbox below. Wilfred was the last of us to take this task upon himself. Pira, Eric and I have escaped the wrong side of the law by being handed a beautiful urn of pulverised relative by the nice people at the Cooperative Society. Unity, my dear. We have no idea whether or not the tinctures actually work. We just feel that we ought to not give it up, just in case. The lovely fellow at Trading Standards had the tinctures tested. They have their own official safety data sheets and are perfectly legal in our perfumes. I only worry a little about the recent bother made by those insistent vegans. Um, technically, we are animal products, but I feel it's best not to tell them, as they would probably make a fuss. In the underbasement, you will find the last but one resting place of several generations of Banes. There is a disproportionate amount of RJB remaining from 1814. Please do not use this, as by all accounts the man was an absolute horror and was thrashed several times owing to his bad habits with our customers' wives, daughters and serving maids. He insisted that his tincture be named Manliness, and frankly I think it's best kept hidden. Tip it into the sea if you like. I never got around to it. Unity, my dear. If you are still reading, then I gather that you are with us. Your apprentice will receive a letter from William when the time comes, and when your own time comes, my dear, I hope you will be content to add to our legacy. I feel that we have chosen well, and that you will inspire a new generation of customers, perhaps with ingenuity. I shall be with you always. Eric. What happens to us after death? The unanswered question, except Eric had answered it for me. I was to become perfume. Strange, though, to think that whatever my character is, it might influence others for the next 200 years. Uncle William was looking inappropriately delighted, I thought. Shall we go downstairs? He beamed at me, eyebrows raised and keen to get started. He had no idea quite how shocked I was. I'd not really followed the clues, had I? He stood up, and I found myself on my feet too, following him to the corner, with my key in my right hand. Then, nothing. When I came to, William was mopping my forehead with a very wet flannel, and had put my feet up on a chair. 
Gracious me, it must have been the surprise. Oh, I'm so very sorry. We thought you knew, but then it became apparent that you didn't. Or did you? I didn't, I said. Ah, then perhaps I was a little hasty. I do hope you haven't changed your mind. I haven't, I said, still on the floor, although I'd taken away the flannel. If it's any help, Pira told me she was exactly the same. She really went down there, you know. Always found a reason to dispatch Eric or me. In your own time, then. When you're ready, we could go there. It's a lot better now. We we tidied up a lot. Although it has, um, what shall I call it, vestigial feelings. There are friendly presences. I'm going to open the door so that you can experience it. And uh, while I'm there, I'm going to fetch the final remains of RJB and throw him in the river. I've been meaning to do it for years. Everyone else is quite lovely. He took his own key from a brown leather wallet in his jacket pocket and opened the small wooden door. I had the feeling that I was being looked at with curiosity. From the floor, I could see through the skylight. People walking past our shop on their way home or to eat with their friends and family. Do any of them have families quite as strange as mine, I amused. I felt the answer, or rather I smelt it. I couldn't hear them, but a group of my ancestors smiled and laughed gently on a whiff of sandalwood, vanillin and rose otto. Oh no, my dear, they told me, there's no one quite like the Bain family, and swirled around me, enveloping me in a warm welcome, ambergris, rosewood and oris. With ironones and oak moss from Pira, you'll be right at home with us, we'll take care of you, wafted a jasmine tobacco cloud with a hint of osmanthus and labdanum. I knew I would be happier here than I had ever imagined. Gracious me, it must have been a surprise. I'm so very sorry. We thought you knew, but then it became apparent that you didn't. Or did you? I didn't, I said. Uncle William had placed a wet flannel on my forehead. You fainted, but fortunately you landed on the chaise. Perhaps I was a little hasty. I do hope you haven't changed your mind. Oh no, I said. I belong here with my ancestors. And I'm looking forward to working with you all. Legacy was voiced by Sarah McCartney, Arthur McBain, and Owen Jenkins. Well, there we go. Thank you so much to Sarah for that brilliant episode. Yeah, I love that one. Amazing. And Arthur, that is not all, is it? It isn't all. The story has not ended yet, quite yet. Because At Your Peril has teamed up with Sarah's perfume company, 4160 Tuesdays, to bring you... Uh, a limited uh, edition. <laughs> <laughs> he was looking at me then, like going, "Yeah, should we say it together?" I didn't know what he was going to say. <laughs> what to bring you, let's do it again. Yeah. A limited, limited edition. edition. <laughs> no, we're committing to it okay. now. To bring you a, a limited, limited edition, edition perfume. perfume. That was oh, nice. That was lame. <laughs> it's really lame, and that's why it's staying in. Um, yeah, we're going to bring you a limited edition perfume. It's called Aunt Pira's Adventurous Past, and it's based on Aunt Pira from the story, and it may or may not contain actual tincture of Aunt Pira. 
and it is unisex, so it's uh, available for anyone and everyone who uh, likes smelling nice. And yeah. perfect for us, you know. You listen to it at your peril, maybe you're, you're feeling a bit nervous, getting a bit scared, a bit sweaty. Yeah. Pop on to Mount Pira. <laughs> is that selling it? I think we've sold it. <laughs> this is our marketing meeting that we're just doing. At the end. Um, yeah, so you can get to this. We're, what we're doing is we're crowdfunding it. So you can get to it by going to Indiegogo and searching at your peril perfume and you will find us there. We'll be waiting for you on a little video with all details about how you can nab yourself a bottle. And all that information will be on the description of this episode. Yes, we have links below. Um, so just click on those links and go and get yourself a perfume. And Arthur... It is limited edition, right? It's limited now, edition. Now, sometimes that is just nonsense, and they got mm. loads of the stuff. Yeah. But in this case... It is made to order. So once it's gone... It's gone. It's gone. Yeah. So um, it, it literally is being made to order, and yeah. all of the bottles are going to be being filled by us. Yeah. So. There's only so much Aunt Pira to go around. There's only so much of <laughs> <to> it <her> left. <laughs> it, it doesn't contain actual humans. It's a vegan perfume. I'm doing the air. I'm doing the, the, <laughs> yeah. I'm doing the air quotations, though, so you'll never know if I'm telling the truth or not. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think that's it. I think we've got everything we need to get. Yeah. Uh, have, have, we, you, have, have, we, you, have you smelt it? I have smelt it. In fact, Owen, I'm wearing it right now. Smell this. Oh, sweet Jesus. That is the best thing I've ever smelt. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I think we've Ridiculous. sold a perfume. Let's do that one more time. <laughs> Arthur, have you smelt it? I haven't smelt it yet. <laughs> Yeah, I've smelled it. It's great. I'm wearing it right now. Do you want to smell it? Oh. The AI Alliance is sorry to interrupt your usual broadcast. The world clock will be synchronizing in preparation for the star project. Thank you for being a star.